Hello Spokane and welcome back to another episode of Evil Real Talks. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Side. And I'm Jessica Side. Hi. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Happy Halloween, Jessica. It's <laughs> my scary it's my scary voice. This is uh, so Sarah, who works in our office, mm-hmm. is kind of the moon goddess. Like she yes. knows all things about moon. Yep. Moons. Uh, today is a full moon, and mm-hmm. it is a blue moon. That's correct. Which is the second full moon in the same month. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty I, sure I, I did used to think that a well, blue moon was actually blue, and I thought, well, that never happens. So obviously, so obviously once in a, once blue, in a moon blue moon is really. So a blue moon is obviously rare because you don't yes. usually have two in the same month. Right. But having a blue moon on Halloween is obviously even more rare. Right. I believe she said it only happens once every 30, 30? years. Yeah, that's so. what she said. I believe I was about 13 or 14 last time that happened. Oh, is that how old you are? Maybe. If you can do math, now you know how old I am. <laughs> Uh, all right, so Halloween, if you haven't voted, that is coming up very fast, so yeah. you probably should get off your booty and do that. I mean, in Washington State, you don't have to get off your booty too far, right. but uh, get it to a Dropbox, get it in the mail. I don't care, well, maybe I kind of care who you vote for, but I don't really care. I just want you to vote. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's part of your civic duty. Get out there and vote. Uh, and then I have a public service announcement. Okay, all right. So the... I feel the like last, voting is also a public service announcement, but this is this, this is, is real estate related. This is related. a real estate related right. public service announcement. So okay. a few weeks ago, we did a, a two part series actually on the foreclosure process and for people that might be in a distressed situation and you need to sell your home. Mm-hmm. And can I just say before you sell to the we buy houses and close in seven days cash people that you reach out to a trusted realtor and get an opinion on what you could sell it for on the open market in seven mm-hmm. days cash because you could make 10, 15, I don't know, $70,000. 70. Here's, here's the reality. Yeah. Somebody, somebody is an old neighbor of ours, um, decided to sell cash and you know, I don't know the situation and maybe that was the best situation for them. But the reality is, is that he sold it for what I believe is easily $70,000 less than it would have sold as is cash to somebody else on the open market. So I don't know, $70,000 is kind of a big deal to me, but... And um, for other people, even if it's $10,000, $10,000 is a lot of money. So just make sure that you're... Just be aware. I think as we have the potential for people to be in a situation where they need help, just because someone says they can buy cash and close in seven days does not mean they have your best interest in mind. And there are... Other cash buyers out there, actually a lot, wouldn't you say? A, a lot, lot of cash, of cash buyers, buyers right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, looking for a good deal. So even if your house is not in perfect condition, yes. there are people out there that are looking for that because they can't afford the house that's in great condition. Well, and there are other people that will buy cash and they will move your stuff out and help you with some of those repairs. Mm-hmm. And So again, that is kind of a, there are a benefit that the people that put their sign on the telephone poles say is, hey, you don't have to do anything. You just move out. We'll take care of the rest. But again, a good real estate professional can negotiate all of that into a contract. That's so, right. They just need to know your situation. Because a lot of, I think people fear that because, ooh, ooh. This is the scary Halloween yeah, episode. they fear it. No, <laughs> they fear it because they think, um, uh, they think, who is fearing what now? Wait, real estate professionals. I'm talking about. You're talking about the sellers? <laughs> I got so creeped <laughs> out. She was so focused on her ghost noises. Here's what you have to understand that most real estate professionals are going to come into a situation 
and say, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. If you want to get top dollar, you just need to say, I, I don't know, want top dollar. I don't want top dollar. I want to be able to move out. And as is, is that a possibility? If they say no, find a, find different, a different real, real estate, estate professional. professional. Wow. Boop. Um. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think enough of our public service. No, it's, I'm not giving you more high fives. Um, uh, I actually do have soapbox. Man, we got on some. The soapbox I know. There. I do have some spooky stuff I want to talk about. Do you know though. the history of soapboxes? We no, should talk about. I'm, not, I'm just. I mean, oh, you're the history guy. Well, I do know. I mean, I'm just saying that the. What does that even mean? We're gonna run out of time All today right, if fine. I keep ta- if I go going. into soapboxes because I do know stuff to talk about. <laughs> But I do, I did decide, I was listening to the radio the other day with my nine-year-old, and they started telling her this spooky story about Spokane, Ooh. and it inspired me. I was like, oh, what other kind of spooky stories do we have in Spokane? So I looked up some spooky stories, and some most of these Spokane, come from- Spokane, Washington, spooky stories. <laughs> this is a collection of stories from Chet Chasky, or Kasky, sorry. Uh, Chet sorry, Chet. Kasky. Um, he's written some books on it, but I'm just going to give you a few that are interesting. So first of all, so tonight on yes. Halloween night, yes. if anyone wants to drive around to yeah, some spooky, spooky places, places, you might have to break in. I, if that's not a problem, <laughs> well, then. you know, it's Halloween. <laughs> all right. So first of all, people's park, we talked about that like two weeks ago, which was a fascinating, it's the place from the 1974 world's fair that people used. But did you also know that it is um, a nudist colony. Well, that too. <laughs> it is, um, and that's the convergence of uh, Latah Creek into um, Spokane, Spokane River. River. Yep. Okay. And it was a burial ground. In the 1960s, they discovered that there were there were it was an ancient burial ground. So cool. that is known to be then a place with lots of spirits and things. So you People's could go there. Park on Halloween night. How about Sarnak Building? We, Sarnak. Oh, Saranac. Sarnak. Sarnak. Saranac. I always call it Saranac, but it's probably Saranac. I don't know. Um, but we've been there many Black times. Black Label Brewing. Yeah. Shout out to Black Label. And it's got the... Um, the little pizza place and... Well, I'm trying to think of the other one that we like. The movie place. The Magic Lantern. Oh, the Lantern. Magic Lantern's yeah. in that building. Um, anyway, so that was built in 1909. And during its heyday, it was actually a popular brothel. And uh, the ghost most often seen there. I love that phrasing. Most often seen there, you know. Uh, is Isabella, who was the um, body house matron. The body house matron. I don't know if I... Body. B-A-W-D-Y. Body. Oh, I'm... Okay, thank she you. Was, so she was the matron, and she's apparently not sinister at all. She just seems to be keeping her eye on the place. Oh. So if you see her, say hi to her from me? I don't know. Okay, the other one is the Monaghan... If Monag- you see her, we want to know about yeah. it. Yeah, uh, the Monaghan Mansion... Um, which is on the Gonzaga campus. So this was built by uh, in 1889 by James, or they call him Spokane Jim Monaghan. And he was apparently a very beloved citizen. I've never heard of him, but who knows. He died in the mansion in 1916. And many years later, there seemed to be some strange disturbances. So um, security guards. Uh, so it's become the music building for the for the okay. school. Um, it's the school's music conservatory. And there were security guards that say they saw floating and flashing lights. A blackboard in the attic was f- flew across the room. Um, they felt a hostile force holding and trying to strangle them. 
Jeez, Jim. I know, Jim. What what's wrong it's here? Not their fault. It's the other thing I did read in this article is that a lot of this comes from either somebody who was like, I murdered. Like that's a big thing, or they had some kind of injustice in their life, and so they they you know they're having a hard time. Just so you know, so what I believe none of this. Um, okay, so um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, she did run a. Uh, a brothel. So, um, but this is literally like this father, Lidl, um, who was the music, like he, he taught there. There is an article from 1974 where he, this is, he basically says that they hear unexplained sounds too frightening to describe. And, um, this is a quote, honest to God. I don't know what it, what that was, but I can say that Christians Pray to God to protect us from them. Jeez. Oh, what? If you're in the music department at Gonzaga. <laughs> oh, I want to know about we this. We want to know. Yeah, anything going on there. Okay, so if, if you know anybody. A couple more. Uh, Brown's Edition uh, is supposed to be the most haunted spot in Spokane. Not because it's the oldest neighborhood, but because it was developed over Chinese cemeteries. Oh, geez. Yeah, I know. I'm interested in that. They've unearthed skeletons and coffins in that area when they started to build apartments and um, put put in the sewer lines. So, wow. very interesting. Uh, tuberculosis. It's getting really windy were, outside right now. I know. So you know. <laughs> um, sanitarium. Do not like you ratting them out. I know. There are two sanitariums, um, old, old sanitariums, one called Edgecliff and one called the Hilliard Sanitarium. And in 1970, there was a sole resident, a woman by the name of Twyla. And she's frequently heard voices and whispers in the building, as well as strange happenings like doors slamming shut and locking on their where, own. Where is this one? This one is, this was a, a Hilliard Sanitarium, which oh. is on between, it's on the corner of, or located near Diamond and Cook Street. And it's so, still a sanitarium? Uh, no, no. Probably no. it's just like... <laughs> No, it's not a sanitarium anymore. The last one, which is probably my favorite one, is about Louis Davenport, who we all know who Louis Davenport is because of our well, wonderful... Well, you should. If you don't, then you need the to look Davin, The, the Davenport, Davenport Hotel. Hotel. Um, so he and his wife, Isabel, are, are said to ha- inhabit the hotel still. Does Walt know about this? I don't know. We should talk to him about that. But Maybe we can get him on during, the podcast. During the revitalization, there were workers. The workers... We're uh, going room to room, you know, dealing with things and whatever, doing what revitalizers do. <laughs> and they got to room 1105 and they said, isn't this the room? Isn't this the apartment that the Davenports lived? Because they actually lived at the Davenport and he died on the 11th floor. And then when they went into the room, the chandelier was moving and people report that they still inhabit that room and that things move around in there and it sounds also like a lot of people play pranks in the room as well to scare <laughs> other people so anyway those are my ghost stories there's a lot more and um uh maybe i'll save those for next year for next Halloween. <laughs> okay well there you go Ooh. okay that's excellent what a perfect transition <laughs> is it really yeah because you know what we're going to talk about today no I do, actually, but go ahead. We're going to talk about the Twilight Zone. 
Oh, actually, that's not true. We're not oh, okay. talking about the Twilight okay. Zone. We're going to talk about zoning. Zoning so, Twilight Zone. That's pretty Twilight good, man. Kind of I'm not gonna. Together. I'm not gonna lie. That's not so bad. Oh, well, thank you. So, what is zo- zoning? Mm-hmm. Zoning are basically. It's <laughs> so weird to transition know, from what you just did to talking about hey, real estate. Hey, this is real estate stuff. If you've stuff, hung yeah. on this long, you're like, isn't this a real estate show? Then kudos to you. That's right. Send Jessica an email and she'll, I don't know, give you a shout out. <laughs> All right. Zoning. So zoning are the city or county rules around which like you can use, pro- how you can use property. Absolutely. So, um, here, so here's how it works. If you're in a city, mm-hmm. that city is going to have zoning rules. Right. So Spokane, Spokane Valley, Cheney, Deer Park, whatever city, Liberty Lake, you're going to have zoning rules. Right. If you're not inside that city, then the county would be who controls the zoning rules for that county. Cer- certain county rules would then therefore affect cities mm-hmm. and state rules affect in counties and cities so kind of you kind of have that hierarchy of government which is perfect since it's voting next week like all of the public officials vote on the ordinances and the rules for zoning so it all impacts each other Uh, so why is this important here's the here's the deal if you're buying a piece of property and you're you have any kind of intention outside of just normal joe living And even that, like your normal Joe living might not be the same as my normal Joe living and therefore zoning might come into play. Okay. So zoning can impact, I think it's just really important to know how you're going to live in this property or how, you know, how you're going to use this property because it's not always about living in it. You might be buying it to not live in it. Right. And start asking questions. So whether that's, I want to have uh, chickens in my backyard, mm-hmm. or I'm a dog breeder and I want to breed dogs, mm-hmm. or I want to have a, a little cottage business that I run out of my home, right. or I'm renting the property, or how you want to rent the property, or short-term or you, rentals. Or, short, or you want to put a little thing in the basement, a little apartment in the basement. Yeah, those all of, of those kind of things. So it's really important to to know what your use is for your real estate professional to know what your use is. And for you to ask questions around, are there any problems with the way I want to use this? So can I also just say, just also, because I think that it's not just about the place that you're living in right now, but also understanding the zoning around you. So if, if there's an empty field, a block away and, and you don't know what it's zoned as, and you think that you're going to be living out in the country with a wonderful little thing. And then you find out that it's zoned for a 35 plus uh, unit apartment building, maybe that's not something that you're interested in or it's zoned commercial. So making sure you understand when you buy a property, um, if it's not self-evident, sure, take a look at that. So Yeah, no, that's a really good point because again, that comes back to like, well, I just want to use it in a normal fashion. Right. Well, that's great, but how are all of the people around you able to use that property? Correct. And what are the restrictions and the regulations? Mm-hmm. So that's really good. I've got a couple of examples that I want to share okay. that... Um, were recent for me working with a buyer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that will kind of give us, uh, again, examples of how this might work out. So right. uh, the first example, purchasing a property in Spokane, uh, the buyer's purchasing it and they have uh, this seller okay. has converted, you know, some of those older, um, like I'll say mid-century homes mm-hmm. on the bungalows on the South Hill that had the garages kind of built underneath, underneath. them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. this seller had converted that garage into like a studio apartment right well that's great this particular buyer happened to be an investor and that was attractive to that investor like oh great well i can now have this size of a house and then i have a separate little apartment that i can rent out 
awesome. We're moving on, doing putting offers together, running numbers, making sure all these things kind of work. All of a sudden, ding, 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 ding. Hey, is this place zoned for a duplex? Right. Because, because mm. if you have to, you know, re- we're going to talk about the different zones and mm-hmm. zonings. Yeah. But a residential single family zone does not allow for two family. That's right. And that so a duplex would be so two in family. A, so in a in a in this particular situation, you had a homeowner yep. who's living in the main area. They said we want to get some money out of our downstairs area, so they built something. And so they could do that. Potentially. Kind of. We'll and talk about thing. that. Just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean that they can be doing it. They just haven't gotten caught for doing it wrong. Right, yet. right, right. Because technically, if you're going to do that, you're supposed to get a, um, a license to build an ADU, accessory dwelling unit. And that and there are restrictions on the percentage of your house that can have that, even if we it's in whole, your basement. We have a whole episode that on accessory dwelling right. units if you want more details, but you're right. There are even limitations on that. How big that can be. But when then this buyer comes in and says, oh, great, I'm going to buy it, and both parts of it are going to be uh, tenants. Right. Well, then that changes it. Com- even if they did have an ADU uh, license for that area, that that ADU license only lets you do it if you live in the property. You can't then turn it into a duplex. Right, because now it's not an accessory dwelling unit, it's a duplex. Correct. And the zoning, and so in this particular instance, we look up the zoning and it's residential single family. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, that's a problem. That is a problem because now can this buyer buy it and use it the way they intended to use it, Mm -hmm. which was leasing out a main house and then leasing out a studio apartment basically which is on the surface two units right and so so two things one you got to ask the questions and do the research Mm -hmm. and then when it appears that there is a problem you still need to do some more research Mm -hmm. and ask the right questions so let me just kind of share with you how this this is good began to evolve so residential single family initially it's like well we're screwed done game over terminate contract get out of the deal right uh however that isn't what we did. We dug in deeper. Mm-hmm. We went into some of the regulations as far as like accessory dwelling units, short-term rentals, or are any of those loopholes that can pull us in? And now we can can do that if we do it in this such a way. Didn't appear to be such. And then we got to the point where we said, let's just call the city of Spokane's right. building and planning department. And they're really actually great to work with they down totally there. They are. really, really do want to help our community know how to follow the rules and and do things right. Well, here's an interesting thing is because I think that 20 years ago, 30 years ago, that was not the case. Like it felt like homeowners were fighting with building departments to do certain things. They made it difficult for people to get their permits, pass their permits, all those kinds of things. They now, I mean, it's like, it's like a totally different face. Yeah. They are there to help and and they see it as their job to help the city grow, to help mm-hmm. you improve your property. They will say, you know, this is not quite working. They're not trying to cut corners. They're trying to educate yeah. and they're trying to help. And Absolutely. I- educate and help. And that was that was my experience being yes. a part of that phone conversation. So way to go, Spokane Building Department, for yeah. changing. Shout out. Yeah. I mean, really, in a lot of cities... People hate the building yeah. department because they're just... And I'm just... sure there are people that, that are listening to this who are like, oh, they're so hard to work with. Well, there are still rules you got to work in. That's true. But I'm telling you my experience, and I've had plenty of experiences, is over the last 15 years, they've been awesome to work with. So, 
So real quick segue, we're going to link in the show notes Mm -hmm. and on our Facebook page a link to the city of Spokane's uh, zoning map because you can just go in and you can look at the map and there's an interactive map and you can put the address in Mm -hmm. and it zooms you in there and then you got to zoom out a little bit to kind of see the color and then look at the code Mm -hmm. um, on the side to to see what it's zoned. Yep. But you as the consumer can do that yourself and figure out what some of that stuff is. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so make a call. So here's kind of the resolution on this. Okay. Talking to the building department, she's looking all sorts of, she's like, wow, they don't have, nope, they don't have any sort of licensing for accessory dwelling. You know, I do see something for short-term rental, but they should have done the accessory dwelling before that. And then she asks a question. Mm-hmm. Curiosity is doesn't always kill the cat. Mm-hmm. Curiosity can actually keep the thing together. <laughs> she says, well, is there a stove in the unit? Right. Like, what do you mean? Like an oven stove? Like a cooktop? Right. She said, well, here's the rule. If there's no stove, the city does not consider it an occupiable unit. You can have a sink. You can have a refrigerator. You can have Mm -hmm. countertops. Those are no different than a wet bar in a basement. Right. And lo and behold, for this particular property, there was not a stove. Right. And so it wasn't an occupiable unit. So we dug a little deeper. She says, well, here's the deal. If there's no stove there, technically the rule allows you to have six unrelated parties in the same house and it's not outside of the regulations for a single family zoning. Right. Right. So it ended up working out for that buyer, Mm -hmm. but it very much could not have been. And the the problem is if they had not done their due diligence and figured that piece out, and then they were in violation, all it's going to take is a neighbor that's frustrated right. to complain to the city. It's not zoning. worth it. It's and not worth it. And now all of a sudden you have a code violation and you, you're being fined for it. You have to, you can't do it anymore. Yep. And now it, it could be very problematic. Well, yeah. Investment. And if you, as an investor, if you bought that house to be an investment and you're, you're counting on that extra $400 a month, you could now be upside down in your payment. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, when you do the research, you could think, well, there could be bad news. I could find out I couldn't use it. Well, guess what? That's not bad news. That's good news because you've just avoided problems down yeah. the road. Yeah. So that's why those kinds of things are important. And getting the city involved when you have a question is important. So next example, I don't mm-hmm. think this will be quite take quite as much time because we mm-hmm. had to build some foundation. So Maybe. Buyer, depends on how many questions I have. Yeah, buyer <laughs> buying a, a vacation property in Leavenworth. Yep. Um, and... Uh, so, you know, you got this property, short-term rental. So this particular buyer is looking at this as like, I want to buy here. And part of the reason I want to buy here is because Leavenworth is one of the top rated winter vacation properties for vacation rentals. Mm -hmm. And I know that I can supplement my mortgage payment with the vacation rental. Mm -hmm. And this particular property has been operating that way and all these different things. So it really looks like a really great deal. Right. Well, back to due diligence, all of a sudden in kind of doing some of our due diligence on Chelan County, oh my gosh, there's a moratorium on short-term rentals in Chelan County. Yeah. What do you mean there's a moratorium? What does that even mean? And you start digging in and you start looking at different things and and the county is literally in process of voting on an ordinance that might stop anybody from creating any sort of a short-term rental and might even have a sunset on existing short-term rentals. So then that buyer needs to determine, well, if there's a five-year sunset on my short-term rental and now I can't use it that way, then 
is this a viable option for me? Absolutely. Because that specifically could be an absolutely in, I mean, that could be really detrimental to that person Absolutely. because not only do they then have to sell it, mm-hmm. but so do a bunch of other people that are, that values were based on short-term rental income. So is that, does that market's uh, real estate drop? Is yeah. it no longer worth what they paid for it because mm-hmm. nobody else is willing to buy it for that much because they can't supplement. So there's a lot of potential problems with that. And I would say this, that that was, that was not just one phone call. That was months of research and figuring out understanding. Cause if you're going to move into a new area, like you're not, you've never bought in Leavenworth before. It's a different County. Make sure that you don't just go like this done. Because you don't know enough about that county and the problems. And so making several phone calls and asking questions and listening and going, hmm, why aren't there any short-term rentals in this area? Oh, and then you find out that that's because it is called city limits and they don't allow it because the hotels... Well, it's the urban growth area, right? So if there's an urban growth area and now all of a sudden... There's rules that say, well, the city can grow to that and we don't allow these And you're competing with hotels and things like that. So you have to understand that they're going to continue to try and protect the companies that, that are there as well. So understanding a new area is so important. And it, it, I mean, this is not just to get business for ourselves, Mm -hmm. but that is the reality and the value, especially if you're moving into the market or you're buying in a market that you're not familiar with and you've never been there or you haven't been there for a long time, part of the value of a real estate professional and one that's good at their job is that they're going to say, oh, well, you shouldn't buy in this line because that's the urban growth area. Or you can't buy over here because this has XYZ problems Mm -hmm. or you should consider this or have Mm -hmm. you looked into that? And so it's really an important engagement of a professional yeah you know whether that's paying attorneys to know what your legal consequences are whether that's paying accountants to know what the tax consequences are Mm -hmm. paying your real estate professionals to understand what the real estate consequences are Mm -hmm. like it's just good business for you whether it's buying an investment or buying to live in so absolutely um oh let me just really quick go over spokane's there's only a few of them here so we have residential agriculture hold on you said spokane's zoning <laughs> finish the Z- sentence yes uh spokane's zoning and you can look all of this up on the city of spokane's website so they have a residential agricultural which is the ra zone mm-hmm. it's a low density single family residential zone that is applied to areas that are designated agricultural in the land use plan map of the comprehensive plan so that's probably more of your outlying areas okay uh, residential single family, so you're going to see more of that than just about anything. Right. Uh, and that is low density single family residential zone. It allows a minimum of four and a maximum of 10 dwelling units per acre. So that just means like the size of the dirt in the houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, residential single family compact, so it just lets you like infill a little better. Sure. Um, Residential two-family, so there's your duplexes, right? Like that's what the buyer that I was talking about earlier was anticipating that they would see. Uh, residential multifamily, which is bigger than the two two units, and mm-hmm. it has a certain it's apartment buildings and duplexes. Yeah, and, and there's some you know there's some places where they won't let you go above. I think 35 is yeah, one of a, the yeah. Uh, and then there's residential high density, which has some of its own regulations. So each of these you can find out like summaries of what they mean. And then you can call the building department to find out exactly what the rules are in that area. And what I find to be the case is that the the more generous it is, then you can, in residential high density, you could build a single family home. Right. But in a single family, you couldn't build an apartment building. 
So. So the I want to just say also as far as ADUs go, they, it sounds like there could be some stuff coming down the pipe here in Spokane that will loosen up some of the rules. When that happens, we will definitely be doing a a show on that because yeah. I think it'll be important to see how those changes affect people in different areas. Um, do you but know, it, well, no, I was just going to say this again comes back to the importance of our elected officials, and I'll tie this all around then with election day coming up. Like the people that in our in our city council, in our county commissioners, and our mayor, like those are people that help make those kind of decisions. Mm-hmm. And one of the greatest things, you know, we're not going to go into deep dive of numbers today, but I'll just say this: that we have 0.72 months of inventory right now, which is the lowest number since we've been recording this radio show uh, in 2020 in inventory. So that is the big problem: is inventory, like our elected officials and as a community, we've got to figure out ways that we can help with fill in and mm-hmm. more density and vertical living and those different things. And as our city matures and grows up, mm-hmm. like those are things that we have to, otherwise we just have sprawl and that isn't necessarily the answer. Yeah. So here's one question for you before we wrap up today. Yeah. Is there any zoning for haunted houses? It's uh, HH. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for us. We're going to call it with that. Uh, so if you're in the HH zone, have a happy Halloween. <laughs> and if you need, if you have any questions for us, you can reach out to us um, at 509-62-HOUSE. Uh, you can always find us on social media. Just type in Evo Real, E-V-O-R-E-A-L. And with yeah. that, we're signing off. Okay. Have a happy Halloween. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs>